Hi everyone, I'm JJ Hornblas and welcome to the Roadmap from Auto Finance News. Since 1996, the nation's leading newsletter on automotive lending and leasing. This is our weekly wrap on what's happening in auto finance for the week of August 17. Uh, before beginning, I want to thank Auto Finance News advertisers, Alpha, DeFi Solutions, FIS, and AutoRack for their continuing support. I am joined today by Joey Pizzolatto. Hi, Joey, uh, Deputy Editor of Auto Finance News, and Amanda Harris, an Associate Editor at Auto Finance News. Welcome, Amanda. Good morning. This is uh, Friday, uh, August 21, 2020. This week was marked by Joe Biden's acceptance of the Democratic nomination for president. A lot of politics this week as the Democratic uh, National Convention was held virtually, and a surprising reversal of unemployment jobless claims, which climbed back above the 1 million mark to 1.1 million this week. Uh, so in, in light of uh, the current economic situation, uh, Joey, you spoke with uh, Jonathan Smoke from Cox Automotive on subprime lending uh, credit spreads. Where are uh, interest rates on uh, subprime uh, loans today vis-a-vis uh, -vis pre COVID levels? Subprime interest rates are above pre COVID levels um, and over a point uh, above what they were year over year, which is, is quite significant considering, you know, where we're watching uh, banks and uh, their credit underwriting standards. We know that they've tightened, but what the subprime credit spreads are also showing us is, you know, lenders that are still, um, you know, writing loans to the subprime credit tier are looking for um, more money for the risk. So a hundred, I guess, I guess my question is a hundred basis points of increase. Uh, is that so significant? I recall in Santander's uh, most recent earnings, uh, I believe that their, um, their charge off rate had increased something like 160 basis points. Uh, on a quarter over quarter basis. So a hundred basis points, like, you know, by, you know, for, does, does that cover enough of the risk or are we looking at a hundred basis points as, you know, kind of a lot uh, of risk being paid for or actually not as much as you would think considering that the, uh, the economy is uh, where it is? Great question. Um, I think in terms of risk, a hundred basis points right now might be enough. Um, we might see that um, increase as again, we're still waiting on, you know, final numbers on delinquencies, how bad unemployment is really gonna affect credit performance. We've been saying that for months now. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, I think what's, what's kind of interesting is usually, you know, you see interest rates kind of um, fluctuate in tandem with the Federal Reserve's benchmark interest rate, which currently is at the lowest it's been since 2008. I think the last time the Fed increased from that uh, rate was 2015. Mm -hmm. uh, and we're not seeing that in subprime. So, so you know, if you, if you pair it against 
um, you know, uh, the net charge-offs, it's not really that large, but when you, when you look at the spreads on, you know, how much money it's costing lenders to borrow money of their own versus how much money they're charging to send out, then that discrepancy, then that, that spread becomes a little bit wider. Yeah. Larger losses. Yeah, I mean, I saw that, uh, you know, the, I know that the, the prevailing view is that um, there is more risk to be paid for or to be compensated for. Um, but I, I wonder whether, um, you know, the supply side of this, you know, the degree to which the supply side of the equation matters. In other words, um, you, if you've got, I mean, even a lender, I mean, there are some subprime lenders, shall go nameless, that have, uh, that have tightened their underwriting criteria. I mean, you've, you've seen that, right? So you've seen tighter underwriting um, in, that, in that sphere. So, uh, you know, it, it's, it, it's, it's clear that there's at least some tightening of supply and, and that gives a bit more pricing power to the subprime lenders. And I understand that it's, that it's easier to say that this is a risk, uh, uh, a risk uh, dynamic or, uh, um, you know, but, but it, it, you know, like, I wonder how much of this is just, you know, supply side oriented and not necessarily risk side. I mean, do you have a feeling for, you know, what's your sense for, how willing subprime lenders are willing to lend? I mean, are, it, it, this, this, this kind of tightening of underwriting, you know, how significant is it? Or is it really, it, it's not so significant that it has, you know, kind of macro, in a, on a macro sense, influenced um, uh, uh, capital supply or credit supply? Another great question. Um, so I would say the answer, I guess, is, is both yes and no. Um, it, it, it is a product of supply. Um, we know for, for we, while, excuse me, um, while we know um, a lot of subprime lenders are kind of tightening their box, we don't really know how much. Um, for example, um, in the case of consumer portfolio services, at the end of the first quarter, they said that they were gonna rein in their underwriting to pretty much um, be on par with the amortization of their book. And mm -hmm. at the end of the second quarter, they pretty much were on par with that. So I would imagine, um, you know, quite a bit of it is, you know, lenders still, you know, to, to stay in business have to have to write loans. Um, so, you know, if, if they're not writing um, in terms of volume, the number of loans that they traditionally would have written, then I, I would expect, you know, to compensate for that, you know, credit, credit spreads would be a good way to do that. Mm -hmm. The, let's talk about the funding side. Uh, of the equation. Um, so take us through what's happened in uh, on the auto ABS market over the last few months. Give us a sense for, for what's happening in that market. Absolutely. So short version, if I can do a short version, um, you know. We need short versions here, Joey. <laughs> short version. Start of the pandemic, um, ABS market dried up. Uh, liquidity was definitely a concern. Many lenders um, in the subprime space, as well as captives, heavily rely on um, the auto ABS market to secure funding. Um, since then, you know, spreads for deals that were getting done, spreads widened. Now they've come back. Um, 
spreads on AAA bonds um, are well within uh, what the Federal Reserve is offering under their TALF program, which hasn't garnered um, much attention from auto at all. And investor sentiment is, um, is very strong. I mean, we can see that in the markets. Um, you know, we had the shortest bear market in history, um, I believe ended this week with the S&P reaching new 500, reaching new, new record highs. Mm -hmm. um, one interesting thing um, about the ABS market is since deals have come back to market after that initial um, dry spell, is we're noticing uh, the absence of single B bonds. And that's something that could continue um, after the pandemic is over. Um, pricing on, on single Bs prior um, are the least favorable for issuers. And um, I, don't quote me on this, but you know, uh, on the deals that we kind of keep an eye on, I think I've seen one deal in the last five months that has included a single B bond in the deal. I, I wonder, I mean, do you feel that this optimism on the investor side is is on point? And, and, and let me phrase the, let me frame the question even a little bit more. Um, I mean, this comes down to, to some degree, to credit performance, right? I mean, I, I think there's like, you know, relative value and, and relative return dynamics that, okay, let's just leave that out for, for a second here. Um, but, you know, it does, you know, to some degree, it comes down to credit performance. And, and I think in some credit tiers, I think we could say, I, I don't know if, Amanda, you would agree with this, but I mean, I think we can, we can agree that um, at least to some degree, um, uh, PPP financing from the federal government, the unemployment uh, bonus from the federal government um, has really sustained a certain portion of consumers and thereby uh, credit performance. And, you know, with, with these, uh, these um, government subsidies sunsetting, I mean, are we in for a, a kind of a, a nasty spell of credit performance that perhaps the, the ABS market is not necessarily considering right now? So, you know, I, I, again, everyone that I talk to about this, you know, that, that's, it's, it's a valid question. And, and you know, one thing that, that really propped up the ABS market during the credit crisis and continues to do so is the structure of, of ABS loans, right? We have deleverage, um, you have over collateralization, you have increases in reserve account, and all the um, excess spread um, are all baked into the deal structure, which really um, insulates investors from widespread um, defaults. Um, subordination also helps. So, so I think the you know investor confidence really comes down to the structure of the deal, and and again the way that these deals are structured, you really need like widespread um, delinquencies. I, I can't quantify the number, but it's Correct. well above. Yeah, um, I, I I hear what you're saying. I, I hear what you're saying. I, I think that you know that this risk factor that we're talking about. Um, I would say that uh, we are going to look back on this time as it's in, in the sector similarly to how we looked at the sector post credit crisis, which is this is one of the best credit markets 
um, out in, in consumer lending, uh, that the performance uh, has been strong. The, the, the difference here is, is that there is such acute um, government subsidy that you just don't know how it's going to play out. But I hear what you're saying. Uh, it, you know, one of the ways to kind of mitigate the economic circumstance um, Amanda is, is well through underwriting, uh, through originations. Um, and uh, I, I know that there has been more of a focus on originating uh, auto loans online. Um, how is it that you have 1% of all auto sales kind of falling within uh, the general definition of e-commerce while 90% of consumers are researching their vehicle purchases online today. That seems to be a bit of a disconnect. Right, right. So we knew when the pandemic hit that it was gonna kind of wake people up to that reality a little bit. Um, but I think lenders have, you know, kind of been married to the way of doing things for, you know, quite a while. Um, and I think it was gonna take something like this to really make them adopt you know online lending and online car buying a little faster than maybe they would have under normal circumstances but mm -hmm. when dealerships close consumers had no other option they didn't really have an option to go to a dealership and and pick out a car like they would have normally done mm -hmm. so their only option really was online so we saw you know a really big uptick we saw you know online car marketplaces and retailers like shift and broom and carvana really start to to be the, the big players during that time because they were already set up to really capitalize on that kind of shift that we saw during the pandemic. Um, and again, this are things that were in the works. Everyone was going to have to eventually get on board with, with e-signatures and digital car shopping and eventually the lending piece was going to have to come online as well. Mm -hmm. We knew that was going to have to come down just because that's the way everything is going. Everything's moving to the internet. People can shop for, I literally have groceries delivered to my door now, so I don't even have to go to the store <laughs> to get those things. Even um, in South home. Carolina, right? Yes, yes, <laughs> in South Carolina. So I have Walmart down the street, but it just comes to my doorstep, so I don't have to even worry about it. So now if I want a car, I can just, you know, pick one out and have it delivered to my door. It's great. Um, but I think we really saw that accelerated. So it was always going to come, but I think now we're seeing it a lot quicker. And the lending piece is really where that kind of piece of the puzzle that still needs to be really adopted and, and figured out how to do that um, in a way that makes sense for the lender, the dealer, and the consumer. So that piece, I think, is still being figured out, um, but we definitely saw more, more adopt that going forward. Did, did you, did you, was there any, is there an example that you can point to, to um, some development kind of, you know, along these lines? Um, well, we're definitely seeing, you know, we, we did a story about, you know, a lender that does refinance loans online and how they saw crazy growth during the pandemic. And that's just an example of, you know, maybe an area that more traditional lenders um, can maybe tap into when they do more online or partner with, with those kind of companies that do online lending or have that direct consumer link. Um, because for a lot of the more traditional ones, I think it's a little difficult without those type of partnerships to overnight just kind of make something or, or change the way they've been doing things for a lot of years. Um, so we're seeing those kind of partnerships maybe coming down the line. Um, we also saw a really good example. This is not through 
the lender necessarily, but um, General Motors has an opportunity where people can literally go on their website, shop for a car, click through, buy the car and have it delivered to them, which I think is a really good example of more traditional type of dealership really honing in on this online kind of frenzy that we're seeing. Um, and then there is, a, there is a little bit of a finance piece with um, GM Financial as well, because obviously credit applications are done you know, through there, sent over there for, for pre-approval, um, but it's a General Motors kind of, um, you know, program that they run. But that's a really good example of some of the new things that we're seeing that really tap into this trend. Yeah, the, the, the refi uh, program is interesting. That was kind of the, the beachhead that SoFi uh, ha, uh, used to, you know, to refi uh, student loans. Uh, so interesting to see some growth in in refining of auto loans as well. Um, so Amanda, what do you have uh, in store for next week for us? Sure. So we um, we have some exciting industry kind of insight stories in the works. Um, one about Nicholas Financial's future plans um, that we're pretty excited to share, and then another uh, TransUnion released um, kind of a supplement to their industry insights report um, that kind of gives us a little hope. For the industry as you know we are seeing delinquency start to decline um, and then fewer auto accounts in financial hardship status um, so that may be a little glimmer of hope for people who who want to see that the positive start coming out of this pandemic so Joe, would you have anything you want to add for about next week's plans oh she she covered it plus i don't, I don't like to i don't like to give away too much <laughs> Right, exactly. Close to the chest. That's that's who you are, Joey. Don't give away too much. Uh, I want to uh, encourage everyone to visit autofinancesummit.com. Uh, October 20 to 22 is the Auto Finance Summit, and uh, we're starting to see some really strong registration for that. Uh, some great uh, executives will be joining us. We look forward to seeing you there. And, uh, of course, uh, visit us at autofinancenews.com. Net. Um, thank you so much for tuning into the roadmap. Always great to uh, see all of you here on this podcast. Uh, please follow us on Twitter and LinkedIn. And, and of course, uh, we'll see you at autofinancenews.net. Uh, thanks so much for joining us. See you next time, everyone. Bye.